Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Good morning. It's Friday, the 18th of August in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, China's state-owned developers warn of major losses as fears of contagion grow. Arm, the chip designer, lines up 28 banks for the biggest listing of the year. And Goldman Sachs goes on a hiring spree to plug regulatory gaps. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. China's state-owned property developers are warning of widespread losses, fueling concerns that the crisis in the property sector is deepening. A Bloomberg analysis of corporate filings found that almost half of the state-owned enterprise builders warned of preliminary losses in the first half of the year. Our Greater China Bonds reporter Loretta Chen says the data shows the increasingly systemic nature of China's housing slump. Of course, the first wave to fall is the private developers, but then it will eventually spread to these state-owned developers. In the prime of China's property sector, really, these state-owned developers aren't the most profitable companies. And now I think they're just hurt by a drop in valuations, and you have to see them cutting on their asset values. Loretta Chen says the losses will reduce the ability of these firms to take on unfinished projects left by defaulted private sector firms. The growing gloom around China's property sector comes as the country's central bank delivered its strongest ever pushback against a weaker yuan in a bid to target currency bears. Now, two years after it first defaulted, China's Evergrande Group filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy protection in New York. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has the story. It's a move that protects its American assets from creditors while it works on a restructuring deal elsewhere. The Chinese home builders' Chapter 15 petition references restructuring proceedings being carried out in Hong Kong and the Cayman Islands. Its Scenery Journey unit also filed for Chapter 15 protection along with affiliate Tianji Holdings. International debt restructuring deals sometimes require a Chapter 15 filing in the course of finalizing a transaction. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Evergrande's $300 billion in liabilities mean the restructuring is likely to have broad implications for China's financial system. The company's initial default in December 2021 helped set off an initial wave of concerns around China's property sector that has kept growing. Well, a growing bond route has led Bank of America strategists to warn investors that 5% yields are likely to be the new normal. That view's been echoed by BlackRock and PIMCO, who say the need for further rate hikes will likely push long-term yields even higher. 
Charlie Jemison, Bond's CIO at Jemison Coote, says the moves are likely to have wider implications. There is a, a cause and effect to this. And so as yields rise and we go to refund treasuries, those auctions will always clear. And if they have, must clear at high yields, it will draw capital from other markets. And we're starting to see equity markets and the like getting the wobbles a little bit uh, under the, the, the pretense that yields might remain elevated. Charlie Jemison's warning on stocks comes after last year's brutal Treasuries market saw the deepest losses since at least the early 1970s. That upward pressure is now being exacerbated by increased US federal spending, creating a flood of new debt sales to plug America's ever-growing deficit. Silicon chip designer Arm has lined up 28 banks to help underwrite its initial public offering. The lead banks ensuring the deal include Barclays, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. The company will seek to raise $8 to $10 billion in what would be the biggest IPO of the year. A fresh bout of US regulatory scrutiny is setting off a hiring spree at Goldman Sachs. More from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. We're told Goldman is enlisting several hundred new staffers to help address concerns from US banking regulators, although it's unclear what deficiencies the firm is seeking to address. Last year, Goldman's effort to build out a new consumer bank was said to have set off questions from the Fed, but the plan has largely been abandoned. Some managers blame the failure for inviting regulatory attention. But to be fair, regulators routinely question in large financial firms. Goldman executives privately described growing pressure from the Fed over the past year. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Here in the UK, Rishi Sunak's government says banks and building societies could be fined for not protecting the public's access to cash. The Financial Conduct Authority has new powers to ensure banks maintain access to cash without fees. Under the latest plans, people and businesses also need to be within three miles of an ATM. Economic Secretary Secretary to the Treasury, Andrew Griffith, wants everyone to be able to access cash easily, including those living in rural areas. One of the ways that we set up these banking hubs uh, is that they only kick in after bank branches have closed. So they're not, they're not predating, they're not causing the closure, but they are a really good backstop for communities, for local high streets. That was the Economic Secretary to the Treasury, Andrew Griffith. It's the latest example of the Conservative Party taking action on an issue that resonates with its core voter base, many of whom are older and live in the countryside. Well, another story that caught my eye this morning. Britain's gambling more during wet weather last month. This according to a note from Deutsche Bank analyst Simon Davies, who says that during last month's near record rainfall in the UK, spending on gambling rose by 6.4%. This followed a 6.6% year-on-year decline in June when hot and dry weather encouraged money towards going out towards outdoor leisure instead. Uh, Simon Davies citing uh, data from Deutsche Bank Deutsche Bank's DBDIG unit, which the lender uses, says uses alternative statistics and artificial intelligence to provide investment solutions. So there you have it, the wet weather driving people perhaps back to the bingo holes uh, as well. Uh, Let's go back to the latest on the story around China, though, and efforts by Chinese policymakers to calm market fears about the economy. People's Bank of China setting its most forceful fixing guidance ever for the yuan. This, as Bloomberg has tallied, a growing 
growing list of state-owned property developers warning of widespread losses. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Daniel Moss joins us now for more. Daniel, great to have you with us. Um, let's start with the PBOC action that we've seen to shore up the yuan. This is the latest in a series of steps taken by the central bank this week. How should we interpret these moves when looked at as a whole? I'm not sure the PBOC's position on the yuan has changed significantly since we spoke a couple of days ago. Uh, What you're referring to is the daily fix, uh, the range at which the PBOC prefers to see the yuan fluctuate. Let's remember, this is not a free-flowing currency like the euro or the dollar or the yen or the British pound. PBOC has given the yuan scope to fluctuate, but hey, big brother's always there. Authorities are comfortable with the yuan weakening. It has to reflect some market forces. It has to reflect perceptions of the relative strength of the yuan versus other major currencies, principally the US. They don't want to see a free fall. They don't want to see speculative pressure for a huge drop building up. So they're allowing it to gently uh, drift lower or drift weaker, depending on the precise language you wish to use. I don't get the sense that that stance has changed significantly. Okay, that's very interesting to think about in the week that we've had the rate cut uh, and and several other steps taken by the PBOC as well. But this is at the same time that we have worries in the property sector multiplying now state-owned developers, according to this Bloomberg tally, 18 uh, of the uh, 38 state-owned property developers warning of losses in the first half of the year. How much of a concern is that? Well, we've known the property sector Uh, is in dire shape. Uh, It feels like given everything that's been said and written about Evergrande in the past couple of years, the bankruptcy filing in the US you referred to almost seems like a sort of a quaint footnote. We know the property sector's in trouble. Uh, If we're getting some quantifiable numbers from these private sector filings, then that's good because in other ways, China is closing off access to economic data. You'll recall earlier this week they said they would suspend publication of youth unemployment data. Just so happens that that data showed most recently a very high level of youth unemployment. Would they have suspended it if it was showing a very low level? More broadly, what should we be taking away from this week's events in the China Chinese economy And what does it mean then for the rest of the world? You know, it's interesting. In the past week, it's like the rest of the world has woken up uh, to what we've been talking about and writing about regarding the Chinese economy for some months. It's almost like something snapped last week. And then Joe Biden's been dissing the Chinese economy. Janet Yellen and her deputy have been uh, voicing concern, but in far more circumspect tones. I think the crystallizing event from a hard data front were publication of figures Wednesday last week showing that China was in deflation. Uh, Rather than having weak inflation showing a lack of demand, prices actually fell. Not just grew at a slower pace, actually fell. So it's like there was a scarlet D painted on China's back. Uh, and that just seemed to galvanize, you know, a growing body of opinion 
the Chinese economy was not in great shape. But since then, it seems to have like burst forth into consciousness. Paul Krugman wrote about it a couple of days later. Now everyone's joining in. It looks like there's a bull market for bad news from China. Just tells us we should be reading more of your columns. Daniel Moss, Bloomberg Opinion columnist, thank you so much uh, for joining us with that analysis. Up next, Labour rose back on workers' rights and lifting the lid on Musk's SpaceX. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Now, the paper review on Bluebird Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Leanne Garrens is with us in studio with the details of those stories. Morning to you, Leanne. Let's start in the Financial Times. The headline there, Labour rose back on workers' rights to blunt Tory anti-business claims. Stephen, good morning to you. So once again, we see the battle lines being drawn between Labour and the Conservatives ahead of the election, which we do expect next year. So let's get into the nitty gritty details. Labour's watering down plans to strengthen workers' rights as Keir Starmer really tries to woo corporate leaders and discredit the claims from the Conservative government that his party is anti-business. The newspaper says during Labour's forum, which happened over in Nottingham last month, a pledge to boost workers' rights has been diluted. The FT has seen an article about this and seen paperwork and says Labour's 2021 pledge to create a so-called single status of work for all but the self-employed, regardless of the sector they work in, the wage they earn, all their contract type has now been delayed and apparently they are rethinking the whole policy. Labour says it's not pushing this worker policy. Instead, they are consulting on the proposal within themselves and that is where they are at the moment. The party has also clarified its position on probation for new recruits confirming a future Labour government would continue to allow companies to dismiss staff during a trial period, something they were debating. Now, a move away from these new worker policies comes ahead, as I said, of a battle of support of business leaders before the general election. Conservative ministers looking to highlight what they see as a contradiction between Labour's policies and Starmer's efforts to really 
impress the corporate chiefs. We know they've been on a charm offensive. Tory ministers and MPs worry that Labour is getting away with harmful policies, but under the umbrella of a friendly rhetoric. So once again, a piece really showing how things are playing out ahead of that next election. And Stephen, we also had Jeremy Corbyn on our podcast. Yeah, I mean, I suppose very much from a different point of view as to where Keir Starmer is taking the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, um, saying that he he wanted to see more radical social policy from the Labour Party. That's perhaps not very uh, surprising, but this is illustrating the dilemma within the Labour Party as well as to how the party is trying to make itself more electable and moving to the centre and making sure that there aren't clear, you know, that they have, I suppose, a a stake also in winning over uh, business leaders and painting itself as the party of business as it's tried. So, yeah, interesting to see that FT reporting on the subject. The Wall Street Journal uh, next, Leanne, the headline there, Behind the Curtain of Elon Musk's Secretive SpaceX. Yes, indeed. So this is all about revenue growth and rising costs within SpaceX. SpaceX generated $1.5 billion in revenue in the first quarter of this year. The private company also generated $55 million in profits. Now, the slim earnings came after two years of significant losses for Elon Musk's SpaceX. It's actually pouring a huge amount of money into a rocket at the moment that is really plagued with difficult technical issues. SpaceX, Stephen, privately owned, keeps its details about its finances pretty much under wraps. So this story is unusual. The Wall Street Journal getting a full look at some of the company's recent results is not the norm when it comes to a private company. But the company apparently is growing rapidly when the Wall Street Journal has done this deep dive and was valued at roughly $150 billion during a recent employee stock sale, putting it on par with things like Intel and Disney. But we must say many people with stakes in SpaceX have no idea how much money the company makes or losses, and they see it basically as a long-term bet. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.